Getting Better Healthcare is brought to you in part by Leo Pharma. Every American is acutely aware of the issues surrounding our healthcare system. We know miracles can happen, but we find ourselves bombarded by conflicting information and are uncertain of what and whom we can trust. We have some of the best medical care in the world for those who can afford it. Incredible new drugs that change people's lives but can be very costly. Many of the best doctors the world has ever seen, but not all are perfect. That's why Dr. Steve Feldman created the show, Getting Better Healthcare, to help walk us through the labyrinth, helping us understand how to take better care of ourselves and to better understand the challenges, issues, controversies, and complexities of our healthcare system as it exists and as it could be. For better healthcare and a better healthcare system, listen to the doctor. Now, here's Steve. Welcome to Getting Better Healthcare on webtalkradio.net. I'm your host, Dr. Steve Feldman, founder of the DrScore.com doctor rating website. On this program, we often talk to people about the different components of the healthcare system, the organizations that make it up, the individual jobs that people have within our healthcare system. But today, we're going to take a more global view of how that system is put together about how healthcare is paid for, about who runs our healthcare system. You know, we talk more and more about how the federal government's getting involved. The federal government has been involved for decades through tax policy. With new legislation, it's getting more obvious, but there's state involvement too. People have heard about the Massachusetts health plan. And in the news most recently has been Vermont's effort to create a single-payer health care system, something that a lot of people think would be a very good way uh, to run a medical care system, the way it's done in many other countries. Well, today we speak with the architect of the Vermont's single-payer um, health plan, Dr. William Shaw. He's K.T. Lee, professor of economics He's in the Department of Health Policy and Management and the Department of Global Health and Population at the Harvard School of Public Health. Dr. Shao, thank you so, so much for being on the program. You're um, the, the ideal person to talk to us about health care systems and, 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 and the, the various ways health systems can be organized. Um, maybe you could start by just telling us it's sort of as a broad overview, what are the different ways that the healthcare systems can be set up? Maybe start with what we have now or, or with, you know, other approaches, if you like. Yes. Uh, I think one fundamental question the country, uh, all countries uh, try to uh, confront involves uh, how much do we rely on the government to set up the organization to finance health care as well as delivery of health care? So we can divide health care into two parts. One is the financing of it. That's including how much do you pull the risk together as well as providing the money for health care. And on the, then a separate part is how do we organize healthcare delivery? And there are two fundamental choices. One is rely on the government in financing 
uh, and or, uh, or healthcare delivery. The alternatives is rely on the market, on healthcare financing, and the delivery. Yes, okay. that's a that's one of the major fundamental questions uh, nations ask when they are trying to examine the problems uh, they are confronted with. Like United States, we have uninsured and. Co- a twin problem of uninsured and uh, health care cost escalation. Uh, United States has not been, has not asked this fundamental question. Uh, we have been trying to put a band-aid on the problem that has become quite urgent. And so we do not debate this fundamental question. Instead, we let the ideology drive the policy. So there are people who believe the government, they say the government is the best way. There's probably more of a majority in America believes in the market. But, But Neither camp asked the fundamental question, does the market work in healthcare? To what extent does the market forces can make it work in healthcare? To what extent the government can work really well in healthcare financing and in healthcare delivery? Where does the government fail on that? So the alternative that countries trying to adopt is, is tr- really trying to make that fundamental decision. And most countries do not take the extreme position. They're trying to find a combination of the, both the government and the market. I don't, uh, I don't know that give you a overall context or not. Well, that's, that's, I, I, um, I love fundamental principles, and I, and I think asking this question, um, how much to rely on government to organize finance and deliver healthcare makes perfect sense. So, so, from a practical standpoint, then we could envision um, at one end a system where people pay for their care out of their own pockets. There's no third party payer. There's no government. We could um, envision and no a system, insurance company. You no know, insurance company. I mean, you could envision that. Uh-huh. Uh, you could envision a system at the other end where there's a government that pays for and delivers the care. That's right. And then you could have variations in the middle of this. Yes. Taking your first example, there's no, uh, you pay out of pocket and you, uh, no insurance. Singapore tried it. Singapore is the first country that developed this medical savings account, which the United States copied. Well, of course, we have to put an 
new label uh, bottle of old wine. We call it a health savings mm-hmm. account. And uh, the, uh, the, on the other extreme, the communist nations or socialistic nations have tried it. That is, the government does everything. And Singapore actually issued the white paper, acknowledge that doesn't work. Why, why didn't it work? Because, one, people do not know what medical services they really need. They go to, the doctors have much greater power to make decisions than the patients. The patients rely on the medical doctors, and medical doctors can induce demand. Second, in a market environment, you have to know the price in advance. But in medicine, you might know the cost for office visit. But the physician cannot tell you in advance what test I have to order, what other referral I may have to make for you to see a specialist, what drugs you may have to take. So you never know what's the total cost of your alternatives. But in a market economy, you have to know the total cost of a product in advance. Then you make your choices. These are just simple examples where the so-called competitive market doesn't work in most part of the med- medicine. Were there any advantages to this competitive market? Yes, there is. If you if you are able to, uh, let's say. In some areas, let's say in psychiatry or in normal child delivery, delivery. in normal child delivery, you have maybe six months or five months to ask your friends who is a good obstetrician. And uh, you can find out what, what does that doctor charge you for normal delivery. So you can shop around. Same thing in psychiatry. In psychiatry, you can go to try a psychiatrist and see whether that psychiatrist really helps you or not. If he or she doesn't help you, you say, I'm going to shift. But you're not going to be able to do that when you find you have a heart attack or you have a uh, serious cancer. So, so you market forces can work in small part of medical care, but you, in my view, you cannot work in the vast majority of the medicine. I, I would have thought that it would be a powerful tool. I, I just envision that the day they told me, Steve, you're going to be responsible for paying for that MRI test, that first... 
I might not take that test if I, I didn't think I really needed it. And secondly, if I did think I, I needed it, I would call the different MRI places. And, and once I did that to see who was offering it for the lowest price and the most convenient services, that that price would come down really fast. Well, you see, you pick a good example. MRI tests, MRI can be standardized. Even then, there's some uncertainty how well a radiologist can interpret the film, mm -hmm. right? So when something can be very much standardized, you may, the market forces may work there. But it requires you to have the time to, make the sh to do the shopping. And even then, you do not know the, we do not have the information today about the quality of uh, the services for such a standard thing like MRI among the different laboratories. Yeah, I mean, you could imagine that that MRI with its digital output would be sent to India where uh, I could get it done for very low cost for the reading if, if I cho chose that. Uh-huh. Yes. All right. Let's talk about the other extreme then. So um, the, the communists uh, and the socialists tried the, where, uh, systems where government does everything. Do those systems work? They work in part, but in the long run, they didn't seem to work that well. When it's initially set up, usually there's a certain amount of enthusiasm and energy and uh, these systems attract some dedicated people into health care. And the government will fund this health care. The problem comes is that the people who are engaging medical care eventually may become complacent. Uh, or pursue their own interests. They want to less work for fewer hours. They don't want to work so hard if you pay them on salary basis. And they go through a, some kind of a perfunctory motion to treat the patient. Financially, the government made for it whatever reason, may decide to underfund the health care. So these are the lessons we learn about that form. You know, a form like that, it sounds like patients have no cost incentives put on them, and therefore it seems like they would demand infinite care, and they would say that government is... What's the word? Rationing their care. Well, that's a false premise. Let me just offer my opinion. We ration health care in the United States. We ration by price. That's the common form of rationing. So if you have money, you can get access to it. If you don't, tough luck. Other countries actually, including communist states, ration, ration health care in a more reasonable way. 
they look at the cost effectiveness of different interventions and drugs. And then they say, if there's only one chance out of the 10,000, you can benefit from MRI uh, imaging, we will not do it. But if you have one chance out of the 100, you can really benefit from this, we will do, do it. But let me ask you, if there were no risk from the test, and that is completely wrong, there are risks to every test, but if there was no risk to a test and my son, you know, the doctor said, look, it's only a 1 in 10,000 chance the MRI is going to find anything. It's not cost-effective. We shouldn't pay for it. What, I mean, I, as the, the kid's dad, would say, well, you know, it's a 1 in 10,000 chance that I don't want to take. So go ahead. The test is free to me. It has mm-hmm. no risk. I want the test. Right. So that is rationing. That is rationing. No, I'm, I'm not denying in a government-run system, there's no rationing. I'm just saying their rationing is in a different form than a market system, which rationed by price. In a socialistic country with limited resources, they will say to your son, I'm sorry, there's only one chance out of 10,000. You're going to benefit from this test. And really... We could not spend the resources on that. So we're not going to order MRI tests, even if you want it. Yeah. Uh, I, I, so I guess the question I'm asking is, if the government, if it's a government-run system, it seems bad to me that the government is saying, no, you can't have the test. Whereas in that competitive marketplace, when they tell me it's you know $3,000 for a 1 in 10,000 chance, I might personally say, Oh, no problem. We'll skip it. And I wouldn't feel nearly as bad about it. Uh-huh. Uh, yes. But the, under this uh, government-run system, the government can, the doctor can say, I'm sorry, I, I won't order that for you. But they would, like in many European countries, they let private labs to get established. Okay, so now so we're moving... So if you want to spend $3,000 and still go get one, that's your privilege. Excellent. So now we're talking about... So we've talked about the range. You can have pure private, you could have pure government, and then you were saying that you could have mixtures of these, and one potential mixture might be to a, to, to have some sort of uh, third system that the wealthy people can take advantage of. Almost all the countries today that's run by the government allowed this. Uh, roughly about 10% of their population usually then go outside the government system. Even the well-run and well-funded government system, they find, they find the very wealthy people or the people who really value their lives to such an extent they are willing to spend any amount of money out of their own pocket. They will always stop out. Okay. And so um, briefly, um, where does the, the U.S. system fit and where is the U.S. system heading under the new proposals? Well, the U.S. US system is a, really is a broken system. It, um, what it does, 
it was founded on is really the market system, both in financing and healthcare delivery. So what we did is to encourage people to buy their own private insurance, including give them a tax advantage if they their insurance is gotten through the place of employment. But then we found the sick, the elderly, and the poor get left out. So in <laughs> 1964, then we passed the Medicare Medicaid law to cover the elderly, the, the, re, the disabled, and uh, the poor people. Consequently, the government still pick up 45% of the total bill for the nation. Well. Although we did not want to do it. But if you look at historically, we're forced into it. And so we have a patchwork. What I call this broken system is really a, it's a patchwork of, of different pieces, and they don't necessarily fit together. Because then each insurance company has its own payment policy. It has its own benefit packages for the patients. This is also true for Medicare and Medicaid. So we really have, at the best, you can say we have a pluralistic system. At best. So how, how are the, um, the recent legislations going to, is it putting more Band-Aids on top of this patchwork? You mean the Vermont? Uh, I was talking about the federal legislation. Uh, the federal legislation, the, uh, the PPACA, really uh, does not deal with, uh, deals with only one problem that's uninsured. It does not deal with the system problem. So it only tried to put, in, put on a very strong and good Band-Aid to deal with the uninsured people. Fundamentally, why do we have uninsured people? There are several reasons. One is health care costs continue to rise very fast. So people are dropping their health insurance or employers start trying to reduce the health insurance they offer to their employees. Then second reason is obvious. We tie our health insurance to employment. So if you are not working or if your employer does not want to offer health insurance or offer very shallow health insurance, well, you get onto the short end of the stick. You've been listening to Getting Better Healthcare on webtalkradio.net. I'm your host, Dr. Steve Feldman. We've been speaking today with Dr. William Shao, K.T. Lee, Professor of Economics at the Harvard School of Public Health. Dr. Shao has described the patchwork system we have and how it could be a lot better about the limitations of our system. 
we're going to have him join us next week to talk more about his plans for a better health system, a system in which the incentive structures and payment policies are designed to deliver health care a little more rationally. Uh, he'll be speaking to us about the single-payer system that Vermont is thinking about instituting. This could be the future of our healthcare system, so don't miss that program. I do hope you'll join us. Getting Better Healthcare has been brought to you in part by Leo Pharma. Our theme music is by the incomparable Michael Zioli. Until next time, I wish you the best of health. Thanks for listening to the show today. Remember to go to DrScore.com to get and give feedback about your doctor and to read others' recommendations about doctors in your area. It's a way to choose your path to healthcare empowerment. That's D-R-S-C-O-R-E.com, DrScore.com. And we'll see you next week right here on Getting Better Healthcare.